I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm gonna start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research department. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. You're all going to die down here. Hello, and thank you for listening to <laughs> Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast on the internet I know of that covers all the films of Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and the heroic Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, we are covering, of course, mm-hmm. the 2002 film Resident Evil from Paul W.S. Anderson. It is a W.S. Anderson episode through and through today uh but i'm not here alone no i'm always here with my with my lovely co-host eric what's up (laughs) um yeah great to be here you know jeremy not to spoil anything but i i i breathed a sigh of relief during uh resident evil where as listeners of this podcast know we have not really enjoyed uh Many of the Paul W. S. Anderson films, except for Mortal Kombat, right? Which that, I think is an excellent film. I think it's a, um, yeah, it's like almost it's like a it's like a serious A minus. <laughs> yeah, but this last run was rough to the point where we've never done this before. But we skipped a movie to get yeah. to Resident Evil. Yeah, um, well, to be fair, that was a yeah. failed pilot, correct? Yeah. Okay. Good. A failed pilot turned TV turned, movie. Turned so. TV movie. I don't know. We, I mean, I feel like if we were really digging Paul W. S. Anderson, we would have covered it. Right. But uh, you know. Um, but yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm glad to be. I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk Resident Evil. Yeah, I, uh, I, I love that little peek behind the curtain. I will also echo that this film is uh, a, sort of a little bit of a buffer between what I'm sure will be more terrible, <laughs> terrible films to come, but it isn't inherently completely, uh, the, like, just abysmal. Like, I actually paid attention to the film, which was different than Soldier, for example, which I, uh, I, I the phone was in front of my face for some of that. But uh, we have a guest today, a special guest, of course, um, somebody that I have uh you know uh, i hate i hate even bringing this up on this show eric but i do have a separate patreon for a completely separate show that i do uh called video games a comedy show it is like me and uh, a couple other a couple other folks uh michael hearn actually who's been a guest on this show before is a frequenter of that of that of the shows on that network and Uh, For the Patreon, me and this next guest have been covering uh, not only all of the Resident Evil video games in order, but we've also been covering the novelization of the video game Resident Evil. (laughs) I had no idea that exists. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we've covered, uh, in fact, as of this uh, release of this episode, we have just finished the first novel in what is, I think, a six-novel series of Resident Evil books. And uh, we're up to Resident Evil 4 in the games. This is a writer who I met... uh, you know, a long time ago, around the same time I met you, Eric, uh, just slightly after I met you uh, at the UCB Theater, a comedian, a writer, and uh, just an all-around great pal. Used to be my roommate 
actually. Uh, Michael McCaller, how you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm doing so great. It was not until you were listing how much Resident Evil content we have taken in that I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to have a family. That's just not, that's just not in the cards for me. Yeah. Uh, Michael McCuller, why don't, uh, before we get too deep into any any direction, uh, and Eric, I hope you don't mind, uh, McCuller, would you kind of tell the listener, beyond what we have done together for, for the Resident Evil series, what like kind of what your history is with the franchise Resident Evil and sort of a little bit of your Twitch uh, background? Yeah, uh, Resident Evil was a video game that kind of ushered me from childhood to adolescence. Uh, It was a game that my friend's dad had and let us play and kind of felt like the ultimate mystery one could dive into. We just had this whole mansion before us and it was photorealistic in 1996. And uh, it's just, it became like a speedrunning passion for uh, myself and this friend who played it with me, we just beat the game over and over and over again and got better and better. And so now, as I um, am Twitch streaming, uh, I just play Resident Evil games, and I play them faster, and I want to beat them. There's something deeply satisfying about um, really quickly rushing through a game that gave me such terror as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. I've conquered it. So that's my Resident Evil situation. I want to know straight up, what's your favorite uh, Resident Evil game installment? It is the Resident Evil 2 remake that came out last year. Oh, oh wow. Uh, okay. Resident Evil 2 came out in 1998, and that was my favorite game for forever. And then um, I had the bizarre sensation of them remaking my favorite video game and doing it perfectly in a way that was like both what I remember and full of surprises. It was uh, like watching your favorite movie for the first time again. It was really an exciting time for me. Love it. Yeah, dude. Uh, so McCuller, you, you stream these games constantly. So, you know, if you're a fan of this show and you want to see uh, somebody, you know, McCuller stream these games, you can go visit him at Twitch uh, and, and watch him do that there. I, I frequently go visit those streams and, and, and watch watch him go through it. And it's always very fun because it's uh, those games are great. And like, like you know, McCuller was talking about, I, I also had a very similar background in childhood with the Resident Evil series. Like, I love these games. I play every single one that comes out and I uh, kind of always have. And it's, it's a big, uh, it's like a big nostalgia thing for me. But also, I think they're really good games. Like even like you said today, even as they come out, like that that Resident Evil Two remake was really special. It was like a really fun, well made game. Yeah. Um, Eric, do you have any history with Resident Evil? <laughs> you know, I here's the thing. I played one Resident Evil game, mm-hmm. and it's one of my favorite games of all time. I'm not I, I'm not much of a gamer. I in fact, uh, Michael. Uh, embarrassingly had to Google what a speed run is. Uh, that's how <laughs> that's how much of a noob I am. But uh, no, when I uh, went to college in 2007, I meet my roommate, and he was the first person I knew who owned a Wii. Mm. So my first time playing a Nintendo Wii, which I don't know if you guys remember, like people, I feel like I've heard gamers kind of talk down about the Wii nowadays. Sure. 
But yeah. it was kind of like an exciting novelty at the time. And like even people that didn't game, you know, were, were interested in getting getting the Wii and playing Wii tennis and stuff. And around this time, I had not played any video games for a couple years. And I just became obsessed with Resident Evil 4 for the Wii. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that installment stacks up to the other ones, but I became obsessed with it. And I realize now that I would do like my own personal little like speed runs. Like mm-hmm. I would, I, I bought a Wii spe- specifically so I could play Resident Evil 4 over and over again. And I think I owned that and maybe like Mario Party 8 or something. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but I pretty much just played Resident Evil 4 over and over again. I might've played one, like an arcade version of one of the other installments at some point. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the extent of my history with Resident Evil. Yeah, that's. I think that's interesting. I love that. Um, yeah, so it sounds like we've all had a little bit of experience with the Resident Evil series. Maybe not. Um, yeah, maybe not as you know. I feel like in in descending order, it would go McCall or me, and then Eric. But you know, the Resident Evil, the two thousand two film, is not a video game. It is a movie and will be judged as such. <laughs> <laughs> Out of curiosity, though, while we're still talking about the games, how is Resident Evil for? How does that? How does that one stack up to the other ones? I I always say that Resident Evil Four is objectively the best one. Oh, okay. because uh, it's like there are good Resident Evil games, and then there are good games like Resident Evil Four. Kind of changed video games. Oh, Every, interesting. A lot of like. That was the first game to kind of feature, you know, uh, a camera just like just over your character's shoulder. And then all of a sudden, every video game had that. That's just how you made video games. Interesting. I did. Yeah, I guess I didn't have that that context, but that's cool. That's cool. That because mm-hmm. I, I was kind of almost nervous to say <laughs> that I, Resident Evil 4 was the one that I played because I'm such a like <laughs> novice to video games that... <laughs> I was worried that you guys would just laugh at me and, <laughs> I don't know, log off of Discord and I wouldn't uh, hear from any of you again. Obviously wouldn't laugh at you, but when you were like, uh, the Resident Evil I played, I, like I was tense that you were going to say five or six because those oh, ones okay. are bad. Uh, in that they're just like <laughs> boring. They're just like four, but like directed by Michael Bay and big explosion hmm. universes. Uh so yeah, I did have. Uh, uh, I guess your hyperbolic example was not that far from the truth of how I would have reacted if you put the wrong <laughs> one. Um, Great. Yeah, there's there's like uh, yeah, I, I think there's like two types of Resident Evil things. Like McCuller said, there's like there's like the survival horror stuff, and then there's like the complete action games. And I think the fourth game is sort of a uh, it's like the nice middle ground. Where it's it's right. horror and but it also has a lot. It's also starting to jump the shark a little bit. Uh, not jump the shark. That's that's incorrect because the whole series is jumps the shark from the get go. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. what I mean is it's starting to I become. Think there is in fact a shark in the first game. There is in fact a shark in the first game. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what I mean dogs. is that it uh, it's starting to become less about horror, more about action. And I find it really interesting that um, this film starts its whole series with no this is about action like this is an action yeah. film uh more than it is anything else but um 
I'm, I'm obviously not privy to any discussions with the people who make Resident Evil video games, mm-hmm. but it feels like there's a lot of this movie's influence on those later Resident Evil games that I so despise. Right, yeah. Oh. And and I think that for me, w- watching this film, it'll be interesting to see through our discussion if I'm able to separate my love of the games, specifically the first two games, from judging this movie separately from that i think i'm gonna be able to do it but i think there are things where like there are there are moments and choices where they get really close to something cool from the game (laughs) then then they completely abandon it so it's it it Mm. becomes a little frustrating uh you know it'd be like it'd be like every time and it'd be like if you loved harry potter and then somebody adapted it and every time they were about to reference voldemort they an explosion happened (laughs) and you'd be like, wait a minute. No, I, I I thought we were going to do the story. Um, so what do you, you guys want to get into some of the, uh, pre-production and, and a few, a little bit of trivia on the film. Yes, let's do it. Um, I guess before we get started with that, we should uh, go ahead and plug our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, where you can hear extensively on uh, all uh, on us, our coverage of a ton of uh, bonus content, uh, theme too related much. stuff. Too, too much? Is that too what you much stuff. Too we've much stuff. We've, we've done too many episodes yeah, what, at this point. Right. Eric, what do we got going on over there uh, this, this, this week? Well, it's December, Jeremy. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but the 25th is Christmas. <laughs> uh, and there's also some hol- uh, some Hanukkah stuff going on uh, this month, I've heard. So we're going to be doing uh, Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> um, and uh, the rest is TBD. There is a, you know, there is, Brian recommended a really good horror um, Christmas movie that I actually already watched because I was in the mood. Oh, cool. uh, I think it's called Rare Exports or something. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, so we'll do something like that, and uh, I don't know. We'll uh, tweet at us if you. Our, our Twitter handle is now at Hubie Halloween One. Uh, <laughs> so tweet at us <laughs> if you have any any recommendations. Um, but yeah, we do we do four uh, three or four bonus episodes a month over there, and we kind of let the we let you guys bully us into into doing whatever you want us to talk about. So, and speaking of that, I, I do think that we are going to organize at some point this month a uh, a viewing for everyone who's on our Patreon and uh, maybe getting together with the double double feature feature uh, crew to do oh. a uh, do a live screening together of the uh, that Santa documentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, yeah, I think I think that's what we're gonna end up doing. Uh, it's still again TBD is still in the works, but I, I would like to do something special for the holidays with all of our our lovely uh, our lovely patrons. Um, that that can include all of us getting together and kind of hanging out over Zoom. Um. But yeah, you don't want to do Event Horizon. No, I do not want to rewatch Event Horizon. <laughs> but thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, the Patreon's really fun over there. So check it out if you feel so inclined. Um, but yeah, let's get into some of the uh, the trivia and behind the scenes of this film. So there's a lot of stuff here. I'm gonna try to keep it as brief as possible. But holy God, there's so much fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> So Resident Evil is obviously directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. It is also written by Paul W.S. Anderson, which I think is uh, pretty strange. I think it's pretty weird. It's like, (laughs) 
the fact that he writes and directs his films is that uh, that we we kind of equate that with like a bit of an auteur, a bit of somebody who's like like a like Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson, but. <laughs> Uh, Paul W. Sanderson does, doesn't seem like that kind of director. He's, he he feels like a director for hire, but um, in, he actually has a deep vision for these movies and <laughs> and is very invested in them. Uh, he is uh, most people know this. He is married to Mila Jovovich, but what you may not know is that he wasn't married to her at the time of this film. Um, they actually were married uh, in two thousand nine. This film came out in 2002, which means they must have kept in touch. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> which I, uh, I, th- I find very pure. I, very, I, I, I kind of love it. Um, so there is uh, some, some crazy s- shit about this movie. D- uh, I didn't even rec- knew this from the credits, but did you know that the music is all done by Marilyn Manson? <laughs> no. Wow. I wish yeah. I had known that beforehand. Because yeah. to be honest with you, I wasn't really like... I, I guess when I know a, mo- a movie has music by someone that I'm interested in, I like pay attention to it. But I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't really notice it. I guess. Right. Yeah. No. I um. It's one of those things where I don't think we g- we don't get uh pre roll credits. I don't think we get um we only get credits at the end. So, uh, that should have been the one pre roll credit. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's the because- only thing we need to know going into this film. Because I mean, like, I'm going to reference something here that I think we've all seen. But how cool is it when you're watching the Social Network for the first time and you're hearing that beautiful score, and then it just says sco- uh, music done by Trent Reznor, and you're like, right. "Oh mm-hmm. wow!" And immediately you're like, "I'm going to be paying attention to this." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so uh, I I did get into this a little bit right before Eric's mic cut out earlier, but um, there are two Resident Evil films. Uh, that come out after this movie that Paul W.S. Anderson did not make. <laughs> so, Eric, we have to make a choice right now. Are oh, are we going to watch these the two movies that come before Resident Evil Afterlife, which is the next one he makes? Or are we just going to, like, not know what happens? <laughs> Here, Here's the thing is, like, I am sort of interested in, like, seeing what another director does with the franchise because we can really like do you know who the who directs the other two offhand is are they anyone like notable well okay alexander witt directs resident evil apocalypse and Uh then a russell (coughs) uh mulcahy directs uh (laughs) resident evil extinction by the way they're all written by Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, hmm. What do we do? Because we did do the... We did... Um, I'm, I feel like there was a movie where we, we did a, something that the director wrote but didn't direct uh, before, but... Hmm. Um, man, there's already so many more Paul W.S. Anderson movies than Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I know that it's so I, frustrating. <laughs> let's, let's, let's skip to the fourth installment. Oh my God. But I can't, if yeah. it's, if we're just completely lost, we can, we can go back or maybe we'll do the other ones on Patreon or something. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, um, McCaller, I, I kind of, I don't know if I, I think I primed you for this, but I would love it if you would come back and join us for the rest of the resident evil series, just because oh, you are such yeah. a fan. Uh, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. And so, I have them. I, they're the only Blu-rays that I own. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was I gifted that. the single case 
Resident Evil Complete Collection. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh boy. But I didn't I didn't ask you though. Like, did you you haven't seen these though, right? No, I I saw this day one, night one. Oh, like, okay. in the theaters. I right. think this might have been the first R-rated movie I saw in movie theaters. Yeah. Because I remember same. like my dad had to come in and like help me get in. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> he stay to, like, watch. My... <laughs> I think I want to say that he like took me to the theater and they said like if you want him to see this movie, you have to buy a ticket and see it with him. And he was like, no. And I ended up not seeing it that night. Or like going to a different theater or something. Oh yeah, one that was like a little more chill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I, Jeremy, I want to hear your uh, first R-rated movie in a theater. I'm not even kidding. It might have been this. Um, it, it is a good one. Mine was also sort of like a an action movie. Blade Trinity. Oh was the first yeah, R-rated movie cool. I saw in a theater. That's like. Easily the worst blade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. No, I think it, it, uh, this was the first one I saw. Like, but I think my parents went. Uh, but I think my fondest memory, like, was when I was sixteen. I I snuck in, like they they were and they were really checking in uh, Grapevine, uh, Texas, the Grapevine Mills Mall. They really were checking IDs for rated R this this particular rated R movie that I snuck into and saw and got away with it uh Kill Bill Volume 1 that was wow. oh I could see that that was kind of my first real like like Jeremy's uh really wanted to you know drove myself to see it snuck in all that mm-hmm. good stuff um yeah I would have to turn occasionally I would rip tickets when I worked at the movie theater I was like 15 or 16 and I would have to turn friends away from uh, going to R-rated movies. And that was, I felt like such a geek, but like, I mean, what can you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Rules are rules. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. I, um, yeah, so, uh, the, the film, let's back to the, the Resident Evil movie. This film, okay, so, obviously fans of the series are, sit at complete odds <laughs> with the the <laughs> film franchise right but the film franchise has an incredible following like mm. I, I, and i mean incredible this film had a budget of 33 million dollars it made 103 million dollars at the box office it is mm. it is a huge success that's why they made approximately a hundred of these movies like <laughs> they all and every single one of them i mean all you have to do is wikipedia them they all make Okay, the last one that got made had a $40 million budget. Not much more of a budget than this film. Mm. And it made $312 million. Like, wow. people love this, these films. I'm, I'm going to guess that they're really big overseas. Like, I'm going to guess yes. that they're like... This seems like a, a film, that, a franchise that might get, be really big in, like, China. Mm-hmm. Um, Doesn't need... You don't need to know the dialogue. Totally, yeah. It's like it's sort of like that uh, Warcraft movie that came out. That's like incredibly mm-hmm. popular in China. It was like the most popular movie ever made there, but here it just didn't do so well. But, oh. um, anyways, so we have uh, a little bit of trivia on the film. Um, apparently Michelle Rodriguez, who is I would say, other than Mila Jovovich, the the second biggest name in the film. 
she informed her agent at one point that if anyone ever wrote a script about Resident Evil, that she wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> wow. So, McCaller, she seems like your type of girl. Like, maybe you should get her on stream someday. And you know what? She was also uh, a big part of Lost. Lost, right. My other yeah. favorite anything. Yeah. So... Um, also probably my least favorite part of both of those. I was going to say, uh, she's very, she she doesn't stick around in lost very long, but yeah, she's not great in lost. And this movie, I mean, I guess this is a spoiler for when we actually get into it. It hurts me. Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's me and Michelle Rodriguez actually might be like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what the, like. Like Superman and Bizarro. Like, we're so close, but the differences are stark enough to put us on different sides of the aisle. Right. You know, and I, I but I'm going to guess this is if Michelle Rodriguez was such a fan of Resident Evil that she wanted to be a part of it so badly, I'm guessing she doesn't like this film either. Oh, that probably, yeah. Th- yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it, you know, obviously. You know, think I, I don't think this is a necessarily a terrible film, but it, it is like one of those situations where you're like, oh, bummer, it's not even close to what I would ever dream of having <laughs> if I could have uh, made a uh, film version of this thing. Right. Um, so apparently the dogs, uh, the crew was very frustrated with all the dogs because they kept licking all the blood and meat off themselves. <laughs> which is very cute because you know it is hard for me as being a dog owner to like imagine um like to get really into like when animals are like the bad guys in Mm -hmm. films and so especially when there's like they're just dogs but in in this it's it's funny to imagine that even as gross as they look they're just they're still just dogs under there um that is something that i always talk about when i'm playing the different resident evil games it's like some games are better at that than others like Sometimes they just look like the monster dogs look like cute dogs and I don't feel good about killing them. But like the games that I really love Resident Evil 2, they're like really bloody and gross. And so I don't have to worry about shooting them because I would never shoot a dog. (laughs) Yes. No. I love them so much. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, apparently on the last day of shooting, it was one of the crew members birthday. So they all brought bottles of champagne to the set. And Paul Thomas Anderson, or sorry, Paul W. Anderson was worried that the cast and crew would drink too much. But they said they'll just have a glass, one glass and no more. Sure enough, the entire crew and cast got incredibly drunk while filming the final scene of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the studio had hoped that, of course, this would be a PG-13 film. Of course, because it's a video game and they want kids to go see it. But the director insisted that uh, to be true to the game, mind you, this film had to be rated R. To be true to the game. <laughs> I wonder uh-huh. if it would have done even better if it was PG-13. What do you I, guys think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would. For sure. It would have done I mean, way... Just, yeah. just the fact that like, I wanted to... See, well, now that I'm thinking about it, I wanted to see it so bad I went to two theaters in one night. Like, oh, wow. There were so many kids that were turned away, I have to imagine, and just said, Welp, there's nothing I can do until I'm 18. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a bummer. Um, there, uh, I guess it's not a bummer. Who cares? It's like, it's like this movie made so much money. Uh, I, but you know what? This is something we know, Eric, about Paul W.S. Anderson, is that he loves rated R stuff. <laughs> like spe- he does. Specifically, it- he makes everything like gross and more violent than it needs to be gratuitously so because he's just kind of one of those guys who just like loves he just wants everything to be rated r i think he would be better i think his movies do probably service like a teenage audience a little bit better like 
Um, like Soldier was rated R. That mm-hmm. movie didn't need to be rated R. This movie I don't think needed to be rated R. I can't think of. I also can't think of anything like that offensive in a besides violence in in any of his movies either. Yeah. Well, keep in mind too, because this is the case with almost every single one of his films. So much of the film has to be cut because it's too uh. gross. Like remember Event Horizon? That was the whole thing. Is they cut like twenty minutes of gore out of the movie. And it was still the goriest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty gory. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, George A. Romero originally had an unproduced script of this film. Did we know? Did, did McCullough? Did you know this? Baby, not only did I know it, I have read it. Yes, and and how is oh, this boy. script? Because if it does feature, at least it features Jill Valentine. I know that. Yeah, it's closer. Mm-hmm. It's I read it not too long ago um, after finding out that the script had made it online, and it makes a lot of strange choices, but hmm. within the realm of the series. Like like you said, it's got some of the characters from the game, which is a big step up. Yeah. Yeah, um, but similarly questionable decisions. Uh, Chris Redfield, the whitest stick in the mud character, just nothing going on, mm-hmm. neutral man, um, is not a cop in the screenplay, but he's like a Native American. Okay, and he like owns a farmhouse. Okay, and I think he's Jill's boyfriend, huh. and that's how he gets involved in the in the goings on, as opposed to just like being a cop. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I, I will say that like, so some of the other trivia that I'm going to, that I'm, that I've, I've read and I, I feel like we're just about now done with trivia is uh, like, it's all, it's all these, it's all these like, it's all these things where it's like Paul W. Sanderson, uh, it's named, uh, okay, here's one. Um, in the movie, Alice's fake husband is named Spence. This is a reference to the first game, which took place in yeah. a mansion named the Spencer Estate, also one of the hmm. three founders of the Umbrella Corporation. This is something that was clearly a Paul W.S. Anderson choice. It's like, I want to reference the game. But why don't you just make the game? Like, <laughs> right. he just keeps referencing it in all these backwards ways. But here's what's, and here's what I, my guess, my whole take is, and what is super frustrating about this is that ultimately, Paul W.S. Anderson is right. Like he made, he's the only person who's ever made successful video game movies ever. He made Mortal Kombat, which was a box office success. Mm-hmm. And then the next video game movie he makes is Resident Evil, a huge box office, huge franchise starting success. Mm-hmm. But it sucks. Like, I don't like it, <laughs> but, <Yeah>. but <laughs> it's like, it's like he, it's like, what does he know that I don't know? Like, how does he know that, like, oh, no, people are going to like this shit? You there know what I mean? something about, like, there is, like, a lowest common denominator of fans. I hate I hate that I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. I hate that I have this opinion. <laughs> um, it's something that I notice a lot in Resident Evil, like, fandom. You know, I, I, I will check out the Resident Evil subreddit, usually just to, like, post my Twitch streams and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... There's a lot of Resident Evil fans who are more into, like, the corporation 
than they are any of the characters or like, I feel like the thing I really love in Resident Evil games are the puzzles just like weird. Mm -hmm. Like, why does this house exist and have four (laughs) crests that you need to get into the garden shed? Yeah. Uh, but there's so much like people will put like the umbrella corporation logo on their truck. Yeah. And there's so much of like snapping a picture and be like, wow, guess they're even in Austin, Texas. And <laughs> and I can't imagine having a connection to that side of it. But there is something like tapping into it. It reminds me of Fight Club is what it is. The people who watch Fight Club and they're like, how cool is it that there's like a club for men to finally be men and fight when the, <laughs> when that movie is not about that. That movie right. is about like, it's ridiculous that we have a culture where you would need a fight club. Right. Uh, it, it feels like scraping the frosting off a cake and just swallowing it all and leaving the cake itself <laughs> to get stale. Yeah. Paul W. Anderson feels like a good frosting maker is what I'm getting at here. I think that's a good way to put it. My So my experience, I think I was too nice to shopping, his first movie. Right. And I kind of almost want to, maybe I'll do this in like towards the end. I might go back and lower my score for shopping because <laughs> I really didn't like that movie that much. And I think I just really wanted to like Paul W.S. Anderson. And right. what I'm finding is I do like his video game adaptations. And what's interesting to me is... I you know I played Mortal Kombat all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it in years. Don't remember any of the characters really or the like story or anything if there is any, but right. I enjoyed that movie and um you know it sounds like fan like big fans of that franchise enjoy that movie. Right. Same thing with Resident Evil is like I've played Resident Evil 4. I'm I'm someone who I, you know, this is probably not good, but I skip a lot of the, like, exposition stuff in video games because mm-hmm. I'm just not in the mood to, like, read stuff or watch, like, a video when I just feel like, you know, playing a playing a video game. And I miss... So that's been a problem for me with video games is I miss out on a lot of that stuff. Like, there's a lot of that in Breath of the Wild that I've been skipping through, which right. I probably shouldn't. But it's just... A, What's interesting to me about this movie is I can watch it and not know anything about uh, the story or, you know, any of the backstory of these characters or anything. And I still enjoyed this movie. And actually, it was kind of exactly what I pictured a Resident Evil movie to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it was like literally to a T the mental image I had in my mind of (laughs) what would a 2002 Resident Evil movie look like. Totally. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It's like, it, I almost think making a more straight, down-the-barrel Resident Evil film would have not only been cheaper, but, like, way more fan y and way more compelling. Like, if they just set it in a mansion and you have a couple of zombies and it's more about the interpersonal, you know, relationships of the characters and, and solving a mystery, I think that movie's actually a lot cheaper than this. And I think it actually is a lot better than this movie. But... It, but whatever for whatever reason, Paul W. Anderson like had this vision, and I think he executes it in a way that we have now come to expect. Like I think he's the reason why we expect video game movies to look and feel a certain way, uh, because he's the one who's made the most, you know, um, money off of them. He's the one who's made. He's like he's like set the standard for them, mm. uh, 
which is it's it's kind of a bummer but i guess not for him because he's making a ton of money and, and people like these uh except for roger ebert who included it in his <laughs> uh list of most hated films <laughs> um yeah that. so uh one thing that i wanted to get to uh and and i'll let this bridge into the uh the, the discussion of like the plot and stuff but the first on-screen kill is by the red queen which is the name of the computer and it is obviously a reference to what? <laughs> Does anyone know? The Chronicles of Narnia? No, no. Close. Uh, Alice oh, in Wonderland. Alice Wonderland. Yes. So it's the Red Queen, and the very first kill is a woman who's stuck in an elevator who gets her head chopped off by the elevator. So off with her head, right? Mm. This, oh, interesting. This movie is obsessed with Alice and Wonderland for some reason. <laughs> Like why? That's cool. I kind of like that. Yeah, it's so specifically not a fantasy world, right? Like it, it's yeah. it's such a world of science and labs and hard facts. I like I I would like it. I think if it wasn't maybe sitting at odds with some of the other ideas about Resident Evil. Uh, that I came in with. And this is where I'm, I'm going to like kind of echo what I said earlier is like, I'm not sure if I'm like the best person to be able to judge this film because in my head, Resident Evil is like this thing that exists. Mm-hmm. And in, and in, and in Paul W. S. Anderson's mind, he's like, what if it's, we do a take on Alice in Wonderland where Alice wakes up. She doesn't know what anything is. And she slowly throughout the film learns whatever you know how deep does the literal rabbit hole go and even the Mm -hmm. umbrella logo kind of looks like a rabbit hole and like they're testing on rabbits at one point in the film and like Mm. it's very obsessed with alice in wonderland and i and in my mind i'm going like eric just said i'm like that is actually kind of cool it isn't like the least cool thing i can think of it's just like it just sits at odds with my preconceived notions of what this story should be but i would I would even argue that like doing an adaptation of the game is closer to Alice in Wonderland than this part. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Cause it, do- it does have this kind of like a familiar setting, like the first video game, it all takes place in a mansion and there's bizarre monsters in it. And that's a setting where that like puts us off guard. And it's like, what is this? What is this world? But like when we go right away to a laboratory, right? We know what the world is. The movie, the movie instructs us in the first scene. This is going to be about a biological outbreak, right? Yeah. Instead, yeah, it, maybe if it framed it in a way where it just started with she, with her waking up, as opposed yeah. to showing us the corporation, showing us the lab, showing us everything, like the outcome. There's no suddenly. There's no mystery. The only mystery that we'll get, and we'll get into that later in the plot, is kind of who done it. But uh, let's get started with the plot. So underneath Raccoon City exists a genetic research facility called The Hive, owned by the Umbrella Corporation. A thief steals the genetically engineered T-virus and contaminates The Hive with it. In response, the facility's artificial intelligence, the Red Queen, seals The Hive and kills everyone inside. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't hate the way this movie opens actually like uh, as much as I, again, like I'm, I'm kind of separating it from like what I wanted and what I think the game is and what I think the, the game does better, but it actually isn't the worst. 
I didn't think it was the worst way to open it. It's like it's like gives you all the context right away. I don't know. What did you guys mm-hmm. think? Yeah, I I was locked in. I yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed the this movie from from the beginning. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to it. It kind of drags on a little bit for me at a certain point, but I I was I was definitely in on the first act. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I did. Like, this is a cool scene. It's yeah. like uh, it's very scary. I mean, this image of the elevator has stuck with me my entire life. Yeah, and like and also just like the the shouting into the camera. Like, what are you doing? Please let mm-hmm. us, you know, like that kind of thing is very, yeah, it's very haunting. Uh, while the room's filling up with water. Ugh. Like, yeah, that's not good. Um, there I, is that, uh, this little man who gets coffee spilled on him who mm-hmm. dies right away. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't he be the hero in any other movie? Yeah. <laughs> like he's Adam Sandler in another movie. Like where, <laughs> right. where Adam Sandler, get, you know, he's shit on in the beginning. And he learns to overcome his insecurities or whatever. He's right. like Die Hard if Die Hard gets shot in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Alice awakens in the bathroom of a deserted mansion with temporary amnesia. She dresses, checks the mansion, and is tackled by an unknown person as a group of commandos <laughs> led by James Shade breaks in. Okay, so this, so I remember even as a kid thinking, this is not how you would normally do this in a film. Like this is not how you normal normally introduce, uh, characters. Like, so they introduce this guy immediately, and then a bunch of guys after that. It's like, uh, yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, it normally wouldn't you first have her deal with just this James Shade guy for a while, and then maybe Commandos like a half hour later. Yes. Instead mm-hmm. of like right yeah. away back to back, it's like <laughs> all these people are just suddenly breaking in, and like, and it kind of makes you just think like, why now all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't um, it okay? It's so weird, Eric. You were saying that later on this movie kind of drags for you, and I definitely get the same sense. Isn't it crazy how much is packed into the top of this movie, <laughs> and how little happens at the end? <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe that's my problem. Is it kind of like sets a precedent that like, oh, we're gonna get a lot of like interesting kind of twists and turns and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Alice's attacker is cuffed and then released when he claims to be Matt Addison. Uh, who is transferred as a cop in Raccoon PD. Um, Alice and Matt are ordered to go down to the hive with the group where they find another amnesiac, Spence, hidden in their train. So a little bit of reference to the um, to the game here. We have, a, we have a bunch of stuff, actually, right? Like, so, McCaller, maybe you can help me out with this. So Raccoon PD is obviously the police department in Raccoon City, which is from the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Matt character, Matt Addison, to me feels like a little bit of they're trying to sort of... Uh, he's a little bit of Leon, right? Because hmm. I can see that. Cause, well, because he's like a new cop. He just transferred to mm-hmm. Raccoon PD. I There's a non-zero chance I missed that he was a cop. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a cop. So he, And he's new. Okay. So that's what immediately... Oh, I, that flagged in my mind. And then Alice seems to be... Um, some sort of hybrid of uh, what, who would you compare her to in the games? If, if you say she had a closer, cause it's not really Jill. Cause I think Michelle Rodriguez is actually Jill. Hmm. I was going to say Jill. Yeah. And 
Michelle Rodriguez, I don't know. I would give her an Ada. I would give Alice an Ada. Not just because of the dress. Because the, the uh, espionage. Alice is probably a closer Ada, yeah. Yeah. Um, Eric, you know what we're talking about? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, we're, we're because there is, I guess, Eric. Just so, just to give you a little forewarning, like there is so many references to the games in in this uh, in characters, but they're like sort of spread out throughout different people. Like, okay, it's sort of almost frustrating. It's like um, a little bit of blue balls going on here, where you're like, I actually, I feel like I'm kind of glad that I don't know. Much about <laughs> yes, guys. in fact, yeah, you should be glad. It'll be, it'll probably be like my what I feel like watching the monster hunter movie Paul W. Sanderson makes. Cause I don't know anything about that. So mm-hmm. I'll just be able to enjoy it <laughs> for what it is. Um, so the commandos explain that everyone in the group, except Matt is an employee of umbrella corporation and Alice and her partner Spence were assigned to guard the hives secret entrance under the mansion. Um, it would have been really easy to call these commandos stars, but they didn't. And right. stars is the name of the actual people that come into the mansion in the game. Um, okay. I also immediately do not understand what's going on. And I don't actually think we get an explanation, but like, what do they mean by they were supposed to guard the secret entrance under the mansion? Like Unclear. Okay, does it does it actually Eric did when you were watching does it do you do we get an explanation later? Um I guess not. I mean, okay. what are they guarding what would they be guarding from? Isn't right. All of isn't the threat within the right underneath the mansion anyway? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I guess my question was like not only what are like what are they guarding from, but also how would they be guarding it? Like, because they... Yeah, with kicks? Yeah, is it with... Are they guarding it with force or are they... I almost want to say that, like, they were supposed to be married and living in this mansion together as, like, a ruse. Huh. Hmm. That might have... But I don't... They don't say that out, uh, outright, so I don't know. But, uh... So... At the Red Queen's chamber, which keep in mind, the Red Queen is the artificial intelligence that runs the facility. A laser defense system kills Shade and three more commandos. Okay, so this really truly is the thing of nightmares to me. Yeah. Uh, What did you think about this, Eric? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Nightmares. Uh, There's a particular moment when um, James, who I actually really liked his character, James Shade, the guy who sort of runs the military operation. Um, and I was bummed to see him go when, when the, all the lasers go through him, you actually mm-hmm. see part of his eyes start to drip. Yeah. Like it's leaks yep. water and it really oh, is upsetting no. to me. <laughs> uh, I have this big problem with like protagonists dying mm-hmm. and in ways that seem like kind of for nothing. Yeah. And, so, I don't know. I'm watching this movie. I remember having this instinct when I first watched it. I was like, why even introduce these characters? Yeah. Or why introduce all of them and then immediately kill them off? Right. Yeah, James uh, Shade is also, like, you like Paul W. Sanderson likes to do this type of joke where it's like, it's like a character is about to get completely killed 
like in a horrific way and the character right before it just goes oh shit like mm. like it's it's not i guess i wouldn't even call it a joke but i think that paul w sanderson does think it's a joke he's yeah he's <laughs> thinks he's like being witty mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah to go oh shit and then you get completely sliced into a million pieces. Because that that's that I haven't seen the trailer, but I'm sure that's like a moment that would be in a trailer. That's like a trailer oh, yeah. moment. Totally, totally. So it's 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 definitely um yeah, and it always does hurt my feelings because I'm always like, No, they, they deserved a more honorable death <laughs> than just like an oh shit and then a fart sound effect and then they get completely sliced <laughs> to pieces. Um yeah. Okay, so uh, despite the Red Queen's urgent pleas for the group to leave, Kaplan disables it, causing the power to fail and all the doors in the hive to open. This releases uh, the zombified staff and containment units containing liquors, creatures created through experimentation with the T-virus. When everyone mm-hmm. regroups, they are ambushed by a horde of zombies and a gunfight ensues. JD perishes as the group is overwhelmed. A bitten rain retreats with Kaplan and Spence. Matt becomes separated from Alice, who starts regaining her memories. Um, it, it's a, it's at about this part of the film where I start to kind of... I was like kind of relaxed into it at this point. I was starting to enjoy myself a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. Because it was just zombies and carnage and mayhem and the, the setup has already been laid and I, I felt... I felt like okay, I can just kind of enjoy the this for what it is at this point. I don't know. What did you guys think of like the zombie stuff and how they introduce all that? And I thought it was good. I just I'm so uh, I'm I'm just so over the like trope in a zombie movie where someone gets bit and then like we all know like the arc of their character is going to be like eventually they're going to like have to be killed or something, right? Or eventually they're going to turn into a zombie, like what happens with Rain, uh, right. but. I don't know. I'm just like, I feel like I've talked about this on this podcast before is probably in the return of the living dead episode. It's just, there's these tropes that like, you don't have to include that thing in every single zombie movie. Right. Or have like a big twist on it. Have like a big, like she, she knows that she's going to turn too. So she chops her hand right Mm -hmm. off and then continues on. Like, right. (laughs) We know we know this beat by now. I felt like we knew that beat by 2002, didn't we? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of when uh, the 20, 28 days later is that the name of the film? Yeah, 28 days later. I'm trying to think of what how they handled it because I feel like that was a film that came out probably around the same time as this that does zombie stuff very well. Like, like sort mm-hmm. of like, like understands the tropes already <laughs> um, yeah anyway so uh matt looks for information about his sister lisa and finds her zombified alice saves him and matt explains he and lisa were environmental activists and lisa infiltrated an umbrella to smuggle out the evidence of illegal experiments alice remembers she was lisa's contact in the hive but does not tell matt the survivors reunite at the Red Queen's chamber where the commandos explain they have one hour before the hive traps them inside automatically. Alice and Kaplan activate the Red Queen to find an exit. To force her cooperation, they rig a remote shutdown 
As they escape through the maintenance tunnels, zombies ambush them, and re and a reanimated JD bites Rain before the, she then shoots him in the head. They all reach safety except Kaplan, who is bitten and separated from the group. Mm-hmm. I uh, think that the VFX in this film felt to me cheap in a way that didn't really even make sense for 2002. <laughs> like like Eric, we watched uh, Mortal Kombat, and to me, like the reptile in Mortal Kombat is a VFX thing that looks pretty cheap. But even that, to uh-huh. me, looked better than this computer little girl. Yeah, I agree with that. Which I thought was strange. McCuller, what'd you think of uh, the Red Queen's little girl facsimile? Yeah, weirdly cheap i actually have written down uh mostly about the liquor but the red Mm -hmm. queen i think applies that they look like they're on a sega dreamcast yeah (laughs) yes i agree (laughs) with that too with the liquor was the the when we first see the liquor that was shocking to me that it looks as Mm -hmm. bad as it does now when she fights the liquor on the train i thought it looked a little better something about it the the liquor like has ebbs and flows yeah (laughs) like they they picked certain shots to dump money into somehow right yeah but yeah when we first are introduced to it like when he when it first just kills uh what's his name later on um it's it looked like like oh no it looked like a tim and eric sketch or something but but (laughs) this is something that's oh sorry no, no no you know i had nothing this is something that we've talked about i feel like maybe paul w sanderson is like doesn't like isn't good with like special effects budgets because remember in in uh what's it called uh event horizon mm-hmm. there was that one piece of trivia that he spent a third of his effects budget on an exterior shot that neither of us even really remembered right and yes. then we talked about how bad the end of the movie looked <laughs> like the entire peak the entire climax of the movie yes so i feel like he i, I don't know maybe that's like a thing with him where he just doesn't know where to put the money or something that i think you're on to something there because it definitely seems like yeah like it the, like the liquor does kind of look better at some points than others so maybe he's just it's also an inconsistency thing <laughs> did your guys's parents ever do the thing where they like gave you money <laughs> when you were going on a field trip and you had all day mm-hmm. and you knew you had to like spread spread out your money but like you kind of spent it right away oh yeah yeah <laughs> This is the feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Alice remembers that an antivirus is in the lab, but they find it missing. Spence remembers he was the thief who stole and purposely released the T-virus and hid the T-virus and antivirus on the train. He turns against the others, but is bitten by a zombie, which he kills before trapping the survivors in the lab. Spence retrieves the antivirus, but is then killed by a liquor purposely set upon him by the Red Queen. Now, I guess we should stop here and mention that. So Spence, to me, McCaller, let me know if you agree. He's the Wesker, right? Yeah. But he's also the Wesker who is in love with the Jill slash Ada, whatever Alice is. And there's this whole thing about like, I'm missing you already. I guess the idea here is that Alice and Spence, like, they both work for Umbrella, but Spence just likes Umbrella more than she does. It's it's so hard to follow because they do the thing where, like, okay, we've got two amnesiacs. They're wearing wedding rings. Mm-hmm. They've seen a wedding photo together. Like, can't they just be married? Why did we? Why do we have to confuse that? Yeah. 
like, because they think they're married, and then, like, a second later, John Nightshade says, you're not married. Mm-hmm. Surprise. And then, but he also still kind of likes her? Right, just, well, they have, they like, have like, the super hot sex so much at shorter. one point. Yeah. Yeah, They so, like, they were sleeping together, but they're not married. Like, I... I want to talk to Paul W.S. Anderson. I want to just ask him. I was just like, what are we thinking here? What are, what's yeah. the plan? What's the plan? Yeah. It, yeah. For for a... Uh, and maybe this is another just homage to how many hats and a hats are actually in the Resident Evil series themselves. Like, where uh-huh. he's just... Re- maybe this is all just a reference to how complicated those stories can get, where... Um, he's just putting so many hats on a hat. Like, like there's this idea of two people who are married who get amnesia that I really like. Where I'm like, oh, what if both of you got amnesia? And then you had to figure out, like, do we actually like each other again? Yeah. Like, there's something about that that's like, that's like really a cool idea. But they, but then the marriage was always a ruse. <laughs> so it's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, okay, so the liquor does kill. Um, uh jd that's his name right jd um cap no whatever what spence spence yeah that's his name. Yeah, yeah yeah uh right okay the red queen offers to spare alice and matt if they kill rain whose health is fading and who has been right. infected too long for the antivirus to work uh, reliably by the way i think the red queen is correct <laughs> in this scene the red queen is absolutely right you have to kill her like what are you talking about um (laughs) as the liquor attempts to reach them the power outage occurs the lab door opens to reveal that he's still alive kaplan shut down the red queen Mm. to open the door the group heads to the train where alice retrieves the antivirus and kills the reanimated spence before escaping with the others on the train, they inject Rain and Kaplan with the antivirus. However, the liquor is hiding on the train and attacks them, clawing Matt and killing Kaplan. So I that's another thing about this film is um, there's so many white guys that look identical to each other that yeah. I, I never knew who was JD or Kaplan or Spence. I, was, I struggled with that too. Uh, I literally have written down, who is JD? Should I know JD? <laughs> right. Or Kaplan or um, uh, really Matt is the only one we should know and and they i guess they do dress matt up in civilian clothes so he looks a little different mm-hmm. um and i guess maybe what's his name spence does too but yeah the if, if you're in commando clothes i don't know who you are unless you're michelle rodriguez <laughs> i don't know who you are <laughs> so uh that's a little confusing i also love a good like hey i came back to save the day and then immediately gets killed again <laughs> like that's such a that is almost a comedic beat right there but yeah. um but yeah uh so let's see bah, 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 bah. um i keep getting lost i guess spence remember uh oh here we go okay sorry we're i'm way farther down than i thought i was okay uh he he shoots rain dead in her head hits a button opening the door oh i'm sorry alice subdues the liquor before matt is attacked by a zombified rain he shoots rain dead and her head hits a button opening the door and dropping the liquor under the train which kills it at the mansion matt's wound begins mutating 
Before Alice can mm. give him the antivirus, the mansion doors burst open and the group of umbrella scientists sees them and seizes them. Sorry. And they subdue Alice and take Matt away, revealing he is to be put into the nemesis program and that the hive oh, is to be reopened for an investigation into the incident. Sometime <laughs> later, Alice awakens at the Raccoon City Hospital, strapped to an examination table. After escaping, she goes outside to find Raccoon City deserted and in ruins. The film ends with Alice grabbing a shotgun from an abandoned police car and walking through the streets. And that, I guess. And then rock music. Yes, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> I guess it's just dawning on me that it's called Raccoon City. <laughs> like, do they say raccoon city in the movie uh yes. yeah they, they at, at the beginning they say that it's the, the hive is like underneath raccoon city okay interesting maybe i was picturing raccoon like was it was like a foreign sounding like r-a-k-u-n or something but uh no yeah no it's just named after the animal all right <laughs> cool. that's, what, that's what they did <laughs> Yeah. Um so that's that is the uh that is the film um of Resident Evil. I think that uh I'll go first and kind of uh you know talking about what I think of the film and giving it a little bit of a rating and then we'll do uh uh Eric and then uh, McCaller. But I think Jeremy just to save time I already put a 4 out of 4 in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> great. Great. So four Chucky Freckles out of 4 basically. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh so I think that this film was actually this is what's weird. I saw this when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, I was really bummed out after leaving the theater, after seeing this film. Uh, I, it gave me Mortal Kombat Annihilation vibes, where after I left the film, I was like, what a disappointing non-treat I just gave myself uh, mm. for going to the film, <laughs> uh, going to the movies. Um, I watched this film last night and actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't like hate, I didn't have a bad time. I actually was like, this is pretty fun. And like, it's goofy and stupid in the same way that all of Paul W.S. Anderson movies are, but like I got it. I got kind of a kick out of this ending where she like walks out into this, you know, she's got her hospital gown on and she walks out into the freaking cities all run down and grabs a shotgun mm-hmm. from the, you know, I, I was like, okay, this is there's something kind of kick ass about this that I kind of like. Um, I guess, and I'm trying to figure out why I like this so much better than Event Horizon, because Event Horizon has a lot of the same trappings, right? It's like a forgettable cast of characters. You can't tell a lot of them apart. Um, The mission itself is confusing and not good, and the (laughs) violence is, like, way too much, and and again, like, it's not scary, but it also doesn't look like particularly suspenseful or action-packed like as much of an action movie as it is like it has a hard time like i think he i think paul w sanderson really has a hard time shooting action sequences mm-hmm. like he doesn't like they do, it does not look good when all the zombies are trying to kill everyone and she's starting to beat them up like it doesn't look like badass it looks kind of bad and uh, i do think like the big the kick looks good when she does the spinning kick in the air and kicks that dog <laughs> like that's that's a nice looking shot but like uh, like a bunch of the the action sequences are like really stitched together weirdly um 
uh, and not like in a Michael Bay way where you can't tell what's going on. It's more just like in a, I don't know. It's like unique to Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, but I do think that uh, the story, the story leaves a lot to be desired, but I do think it has one that I, I preferred like soldier or event horizon. And I think, you know, there's, I don't know. There's still something charming about it. And like a lot of the leftovers from the video game that I absolutely do love are kind of charming. Like it's cool to see umbrella logos on stuff in a, in a big, in a, like a Hollywood budget movie set. And it's cool to kind of hear things like nemesis program in a film. Like that's, that's kind of cool. Even if it is completely botched and bastardized. Uh, so for me, this film sits at definitely not as good as mortal Kombat, but it's definitely, but I do like it better. I think than shopping. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put it at a whopping two point. Oh my God. Yeah. It has to be a two. It's going to be, a, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give <laughs> resident evil, the <laughs> film, a 2.25 out of four. Why did we both give shopping a two? <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? I don't know. I don't know. But I realized, like, I was about to give this film a 2.75, and then I realized I gave Hard 8, Paul Thomas Anderson's first film, a 2.75, and I was oh, like, yeah. this this film is nowhere near as good as Hard 8. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I have to give it lower than that. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give it a 2.25. Mortal Kombat, I gave a 3.25 to give you some sort of idea. Mm. So mm-hmm. I liked Mortal Kombat quite a bit. That that definitely I liked it better than Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. So, um, so Eric, what about you? Yeah, I, you know I have just come to really not look forward to <laughs> watching Paul W S <laughs> Anderson movies, and um, I, I was pleasantly surprised with this with this movie. And I actually think it's a, it's it's uh, it's a testament to his uh i guess work and what he does with video game adaptations that i mean i might as well have just been someone who has never played resident evil before um because that like that's how little i know about the ga- the games and the and the lore and and the backstories and stuff and i still enjoyed this movie and i don't even like really love action movies i think my only criticism is one thing that I really like about the one Resident Evil game that I played is it's like terrifying in some points. And this movie is like not at all scary. I would like a little bit more of like a balance of horror and and action. Like maybe lean a little bit heavier on the horror, which I think Event Horizon 2 was supposed to be a little bit more of a horror action space movie. But that movie also is not scary at all. So I don't know if maybe <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson just can't do horror um, or if his idea of scary things just is violence, which, you know, um, I guess I guess that's just his style. But uh, I, I think I'll give this I'll give this movie a two point two five as well. And I'm going to retroactively lower my shopping score <laughs> to one point five. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I gave Soldier a one point five. And I gave Event Horizon a one. 
So I like shopping better than those two movies. So mine stays. I think my shopping score is going to stay for now, but I might lower it to 1.75. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Uh, McCaller. So we rate things out of Chucky freckles because uh, once upon a time, we <laughs> used to be a Chucky podcast <laughs> called Chatting About <laughs> Chucky. Um, and uh, we rated those Chucky movies out of how many freckles we were giving it because Chucky has little cute freckles. So. Oh, don't I know it. Um, yeah. You just watched the first child's play you were saying. I did. Me. Yeah. Great film. Great, movie. great film. Yeah. Uh, so what about you? What, what is your take on this film as a Resident Evil lover? Ugh. This movie hurts. <laughs> it's it's not fair. I'm trying so hard. I used to um I used to watch every episode of Game of Thrones twice because you know, I'd read the books and I knew that like the first episode's just going to the first time it's going to just disappoint me because it's different than how I imagined. But then you watch it again and and take it on its own merits. It's its own thing and it doesn't you know, detract from the thing I love. The The books are still good in and of themselves. And I generally end up liking, especially on that second rewatch, I liked the episodes of Game of Thrones that adapted the books better than I liked the books. Mm. I think I'm generally pretty good about this. This movie just feels so hollow to me. I'm just like, <laughs> who am I supposed to care about? I have one guy that I like and then a laser cuts his eye open. And... <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same just way, like, though. He was the only person I was holding on to, and then he gets Yeah. Killed. So fast. And so then, like, I do think that's, like, a problem with the film in general is that we don't know who we're supposed to latch on to as a protagonist. Like, we open in the labs, and we see a couple different people, and then they die. So it's like, okay, don't get connected to them. And then we see Alice, and she's immediately, like, taken capture and... Like, I guess it's supposed to be Alice, but, like, John Nightshade's the best character, and then he dies ten <laughs> minutes later. So it's just like, okay, I have decided this movie has punished me for emotionally investing in people. I just won't. Mm-hmm. All of the references to Resident <laughs> Evil stuff feel like thumbs in the eye to me. <laughs> I, 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 I can't fathom. I was just like... Why did they even build a mansion set for this movie? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want... A mansion. Yeah. They There's no exploring the mansion. the mansion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no monsters in the mansion. Like one zombie in the mansion would have gone a long way to making me yeah. like relax a little bit. But I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't get why you would. It sounds like he likes the Resident Evil games. And this is so funny to talk about after, um, me and Jeremy have just done Resident Evil Book Club with mm-hmm. the novelizations <laughs> of the Resident Evil games. The problem with them is they hew a little too closely to the games. They, in words, describe like puzzles. And I'm like, you could get this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about this business. But this is, it's just, I I just want to understand. I, I don't want to be mad at Paul W.S. Anderson, but I am. <laughs> and I just, I just need to talk to him and just be like, why would you, why? Yeah. Why did you do the things you did? And I, yeah. if I could understand and know just like, because I think he's probably somebody who just is, again, like I said, is part of the Resident Evil fandom that thinks Umbrella is the coolest. Because Umbrella kind of wins in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the hive is saved yeah, and then they reopen it and then they just capture Alice. And so like umbrella is kind of 
the hero of the movie in a strange sense. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I guess if you think Umbrella's cool, I could see making this movie, but I don't know. That doesn't feel good. It's, that's the feeling I left uh, Joker with. It's like, I don't want to empathize with that guy. Yeah, he's not know. my hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say I'm trying really hard not to be a downer, and I my specific memories of the second Resident Evil movie are the opposite of this, where it's like they're kind of just like doing some Resident Evil-y stuff in the second movie, and I remember really liking it. So I'm excited to rewatch that one. This movie I hate. This movie <laughs> made me feel so bad. Yeah. So how, uh, so how I'm many it- freckles? One Chucky friend. That is the lowest you can give a, a thing is one. Uh, so I, perfect. I'm glad to hear it. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> right. I love that. And uh, hey, thanks for coming on the show, good buddy. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank you so much Pleasure for having me. Pleasure to have you, Michael. Thank I, you. I am actually a little bit relieved because I honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect because uh, I know that J- Jeremy had, had kind of set you up as a, as, a, as a big fan of the franchise. And I was worried that you were going to love this movie. And I was afraid mm. to like dig in on it. But I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm no. sad that you, had, that you didn't have a great experience, but I'm also relieved. <laughs> yeah don't worry don't worry about it <laughs> yeah i had a great time talking about it oh yeah dude it's it's so much fun to talk about these things even if they're really bad and and have betrayed Bonkers. us uh <laughs> but yeah no i think um yeah we'd love to have you back on the uh on the subsequent episodes of the show if we decide to do something yes, for resident evil on the patreon we'll have you back for that too but uh you know they they might end up being films I just watch privately before that we have to do another <laughs> one of these. And mm-hmm. um, because I think Alien versus Predator comes out first. Oh, okay. Before oh. before yeah. the next Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, Resident mm-hmm. Evil's uh, movie. Let me, let, me, let me make sure that that is correct, though. Uh... Yeah, so it goes Resident I, Evil, Alien vs. Predator, Drift, Death Race, then Resident Evil Afterlife. Wow. So we'll be into we'll be into mid twenty twenty one before we get you back. <laughs> Jesus. We might actually okay. end up. You know, Eric, I'm thinking we might actually end up covering them on the Patreon because we'll be out of Christmas time <laughs> before yeah. before the next time. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we have to cover one of these. So. Um, and I I will say I'm very I think. I am excited to hear what you, Jeremy, think about the second Resident Evil movie. Yeah, especially. I mean, it, um, it gets me excited to hear that you are, um, that you are, uh, like that you like the other, the the second movie. At least you say it's yeah. more Resident Evil y. Yes, yeah. they they are at least like doing Resident Evil. Like if the f- again, if you were envisioning a Resident Evil movie, it would be like, oh yeah, zombies in a mansion maybe a puzzle or two like they that's they do resident evil type things yeah in the second movie but i will say every time i've talked about that movie on my twitch chat with obviously people who are watching love resident evil as much as i do they all say that the second movie is by far the worst one Mm -hmm. they the resident evil people hate the second movie so i am almost excited to revisit it and see what see what they did perfect all right. Well, uh, yeah. McCaller, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Michael McCaller, and you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Michael McCaller. 
Perfect. How often are you doing the, uh, do you have a regular Twitch schedule or is it just kind of whenever, whenever you feel like I just had to re like be honest with myself that I cannot keep a regular Twitch schedule. So it's kind of just whenever I play video games now, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm on plenty of the time. Yeah, Perfect. I, I love because I, I follow McCaller on Twitch and a couple other people. And uh, what I love is just getting the alert. Hey, this person's starting to play mm-hmm. a game. Then you go, well, I can join or not, you know? Yeah, it's helpful. Uh, well, maybe I'll pop in there one time. You know, I, I uh, yeah, I actually, what's the next, what, what do you think the next Resident Evil installment you're going to play is? That's a great question. I was speedrunning the original game for a long time, and I'll probably okay. hop back on that pretty soon. Because, right. you know what? I was getting pretty good at it. I was getting there. Perfect. Well, yeah. it's been a pleasure, Michael. Uh, Jeremy, did you have anything you wanted to plug? I guess just uh, the Patreon one more time. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all of our bonus uh, Christmas uh, time holiday celebration stuff. It's going to be great over there on the Patreon. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. If you like what you hear on this show and you want to uh, support us without giving us money, you can always just give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, write us a little uh, review on there. That would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah, do that. We always, we always forget about the the reviews. It always it helps. It's uh it's a good thing to do. And the Patreon, Jeremy, I always say October is my favorite month for the Patreon because we do horror movies. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm lying. It's December. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I do too. They're great. So sign up and uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy and Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.